one of the secret sauces in life is being able to go through hardships and to go through struggles the earlier the better because we're going to go through them regardless so i'd rather go through that when i'm five versus when i'm 45 because now i've already have a different frame of reference and i can actually tackle it better and overcome those challenges and so growing up in the wrong side of the tracks you're faced with a lot of desperate people that take desperate measures that are running from something that are acting from a place of scarcity and you learn a lot about life and about yourself and about other people by just watching that and at a very young age i had to realize it makes choices you know when you're five six seven years old and you start making choices about who you're going to be and which direction are you going to go that many people don't even make that decision until they're 20 25 30 45 whatever Welcome to Lessons in Leverage, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of success. We'll help you unlock the secrets of leverage so you can amplify your impact in the world. Here's your host, Spencer Lowe. Welcome back to another episode of Lessons in Leverage. Today, I'm honored to have Jermaine Cheatham on the podcast with us. Uh, Jermaine is the founder of an organization called Creators Learn. And he reached out to me just recently and had some interesting thoughts on things he could share on the podcast. I think he's had a very interesting journey through his life. And so I'm excited to dig into that with you today. Jermaine, why don't you start off just by telling us what Creators Learn is and what you're working on right now? Cool. Spencer, thanks for having me, man. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, so Creators Learn is a place where I believe entrepreneurs are creators. And so, you know, some people think a creator is a content creator, but really anybody that sells something, markets something, is going for their dreams as a creator. And so um, Creators Learn is really a platform for entrepreneurs to learn how to develop and create a business that is simple, that it's leveraged, that is lucrative, that gives them the freedoms that they really want, which is time freedom financial freedom, location freedom, and ultimately, uh, for me, it's mental freedom and clarity. And uh, that is the point of entrepreneurship is to use it as a tool to grow personally. It's an ultimate personal development tool. And uh, it's just exciting to be able to help aspiring and current entrepreneurs just create a better business that makes smart sense and also um, allows them to really ultimately get what they want, which is that freedom. Well, I mean, that's, I think that's what everyone's pursuing. Certainly, I think entrepreneurs are pursuing it. I think we're, we're, you're really touching on some of the foundational human desires, right? Those things that we're, we all want. We all want to be in charge of our own life and have have those freedoms that you're describing. And so uh, it sounds like a really engaging purpose for for your company. You know, I, as I was looking back through your story, uh, I love the line that you wrote on your LinkedIn profile that opens up. I think it's a great example of just, you know, people can communicate when you can communicate so clearly and so engagingly, it really sucks you in. And so right at the beginning of Jermaine's uh, LinkedIn profile, he says 50 plus million in sales still can't erase the sound of metal bullet shells hitting the concrete as I ran home as fast as I could. Now you could read nothing else and you're going to think, this guy has an interesting story. Now he has a lot more to say, obviously there. But I thought I would turn it over to you, Jermaine. It sounds like your your upbringing and where you come from really started as the this foundation upon which you you had to sort of break out from and and overcome. Tell me about how did you grow up and and this story that you sort of tease us with on your on your LinkedIn. Take me into what it was that helped you discover this purpose that you had to help people uh, pursue freedom. I think one of the 
secret sauces in life is being able to go through hardships and to go through struggles the earlier the better because we're going to go through them regardless so i'd rather go through that when i'm five versus when i'm 45 because now i've already have a different frame of reference and i can actually tackle it better and overcome those challenges and so growing up in the wrong side of the tracks you're faced with a lot of desperate people that take desperate measures that are running from something that are acting from a place of scarcity and you learn a lot about life and about yourself and about other people by just watching that and at a very young age i had to realize it makes choices you know when you're five six seven years old and you start making choices about who you're going to be and which direction are you going to go that many people don't even make that decision until they're 20 25 30 45 whatever and so i made these decisions at a very young age that i am going to be the author of my own book and i don't mean physically writing a book i just mean the journey of my life i'm going to choose where i want to go i'm not going to be pushed around by the wind and i'm going to decide you know who i'm going to become in this moment but also in the future and it's designed it's created and the interesting thing that I learned growing up in that kind of environment where a lot of people were just desperate, there's violence, there's people act from, from that place very short-sightedly and they really are just running off pure emotion and logic is out of the window. And I believe combining, you know, logic with experience is the best teacher. And so um, I just learned a lot, you know, growing up in that kind of neighborhood, in that kind of environment, and with my kind of upbringing, where there was a lot of ambiguity about my life and about who I was. And a lot of people don't wrestle with who you are until later in life. And I wrestled with this at five, six, seven. And I came to the, the conclusion that I am nothing that anybody ever says I am. I am who I say I am. All this superficial stuff about you know, your skin color, your, your gender, are you an American? Are you Chinese? Are you this? Are you that? Do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we all die. Number one, number two is your reality is whatever you make it. And if people want to read into something superficial, then that's on them. You know, they can live in their mud. You know, I always have a saying, I don't wrestle with pigs because I get dirty and they're just happy. That's not my goal. <laughs> So I'm always just trying to, you know, think from a higher plane, from a zoomed out perspective, from a Venus perspective, or even past Venus, where I'm not even in the solar system anymore, because life is so vast. We're here, we're gone. We don't know how we got here. We don't know what this is about. It's very interesting, very peculiar, very cool, very amazing. So it's, it's can you imagine something so cool as this? Like we're talking over this technology that you didn't have to build, but we get to utilize it. It's like everything's a blessing. Everything's just a gift. That whole point actually for me is something that is, I mean, you can't state this strongly enough that the time period you think in is, so what you just described, right, uh, is something that in one of my favorite books is called The Time Paradox. It's by Philip Zimbardo, and he talks about the time periods you think in. And when you think in the present, in fact, they've done, he did studies, and he shows the results in this book where they went into inner cities and really impoverished areas. And these people are always thinking in the present. And the problem with that is things that make 
no sense to someone who has the perspective to think in a longer time horizon make perfect sense to a person who's thinking in the present. And so people will look at someone and go, what they're doing makes no sense. It's so dumb. And it is as soon as you can zoom out and get that time perspective that you just described. And so I don't think there's any coincidence that your ability to, to reflect, to say, hey, I'm going to zoom out. I'm going to look at this from a larger perspective, from a longer time horizon. That's a critical ability to be able to wield any leverage, to build anything long term. Because when you're in the present tense and all you think is right now and today and this impulse and this second, what I need and the consequences of the future have no weight, then you can't accomplish anything. And so I think people, if, if they find themselves in that situation, they have to do some reflection and follow that pattern you just laid out of let me zoom out. Let me think longer term bigger picture, larger perspective, and see if my actions still make sense. See if my plan still makes sense. See if I, maybe I start thinking differently. Yeah, without question. It's, it's about thinking in 10 year horizons, not one day horizons. You know, you're frustrated because you don't want to do the calls or the DMs or the emails or whatever it is today. But what if you just thought like, let me just do the best I can today because my plan is for 10 years to have the success I want in 2033, right? So it's all about reframing and zooming out and looking at it from a, a different lens. And also, you know, having the appreciation that humans only been roaming this earth for like one one millionth of the time the earth has even been around. When you think about that, like, I think the analogy is like, if the history of the universe is an encyclopedia, the history of the human civilization is like the last word in the whole encyclopedia, <laughs> like the one word. So it's like, we just got here, guys, relax, have fun. You're going to die. And it actually allows you to take steps to create and build your businesses because there's not that pressure that it has to be perfect. It has to be done today. I need the million dollars now. No, you don't. You don't even know if a million dollars will make you happy. Chances are it won't because, you know, many times the thing you actually wanted, once you get it, then you realize, oh, I, that wasn't what I wanted. I wanted something else. And then it never ends. It never ends. It's the stacking of stacking of desires and needs and wants. And, you know, the real peace and joy is right here, right now, talking to you. That's all Absolutely. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't, especially, I mean, unless you take the time to really reflect and meditate and find it, you don't see all the little assumptions you're baking into that. You believe a million dollars means something, means freedom, means happiness, means people will like you more, means your parents will finally be proud of you, means that some deep emotional need is finally going to be met. When you get it and you realize that need maybe didn't get met, <laughs> uh, then you just feel even more empty. And in fact, that's something that I noticed in your journey that you you talk a little bit about. And so I wanted to go back through that, that, that this progression that you went through. It doesn't surprise me that you seem to have kind of started your career in sales. Um, and, and that's not surprising for someone who had to overcome adversity early, early in life, believe in themselves, started thinking in bigger picture time horizons. I think that's, you know, combine that with kind of a natural, clearly some natural capabilities in communication. So when you get that, that's a great recipe for starting in sales. Tell me about kind of how you found your way into sales and then how that set the framework that, that maybe built up to, Hey, maybe I should start a business or even multiple businesses and, and start building more. Yeah. I never wanted to get in sales. <laughs> I never <laughs> really thought, I never really thought growing up, I was a good communicator. I always thought people didn't like me. I wasn't accepted. You know, growing up, I was abandoned by my father and then again, my biological father. So I came from this place of kind of fear, desperation, anxiety, I'm unlovable, right? And so, but again, I go back to this idea of let me challenge this narrative. 
Because I know everything is just a narrative. Everything's just a story. There's no reality. Reality is what you make it, good or bad. It's the story you're telling yourself about the situation. Everything is neutral, neutral events. So I figured the best way for me to challenge this narrative is do people like me? Am I a good communicator? Let me go into sales and let's see how this goes. And so, you know, I did door-to-door sales. I sold sneakers. I, I did all types of sales, right? And I learned through that process is not only am I a good communicator, 99.9% of the world is here to help you, especially if you're trying to help yourself. And, you know, regardless of what the news wants to show you, the truth is most of the world is very peaceful and very loving. There's a lot of love in the world. It's just they want to shine a flashlight on the negative stuff because they're selling tickets. You know, that's their job. I get it. Now, but the thing that's beautiful about sales also is not only does it force you to challenge your fears of rejection, that's a human fear. So once you get over that at an early age, like the world was kind of your oyster. It's like the ultimate boot camp. And you realize that sales gives you ultimate freedom too, because a lot of financial freedom comes from sales if you're selling the right thing. A lot of time freedom comes from sales if you're doing it the right way. And I got my teeth kicked in at the beginning, but I was able to disassociate the nose from who I was. It was just, they didn't like the idea. It wasn't that they didn't like me. It was just data. So let me change my approach. And uh, I learned from that something I could hate and fear becomes something that is an integral part of who I am is you build things and you create things in the world by talking to other people, period. And it kind of dovetails into what you're talking about with the AI revolution, because we are building these computers based on our intellect, based on our inputs. It's learning from us. So we are the big brothers of AI. That's how they're figuring out what, what to say, what not to say, how to act, how not to act. And so I think it's important that this generation stewards in this revolution with care and with thoughtfulness about how it wants to be developed because we are the stewards of it. Yeah, and we may not always be. <laughs> That's another conversation for another time. But uh, my, that, that little brother some days sometimes grows up and becomes the bigger brother. Uh, you know, I, I, was, uh, I was five years younger than any of my brothers, so I was much smaller growing up. But nowadays, I'm, I'm uh, probably as big as any of them in, in just physical size. And so, uh, you know, I was glad I had them to, to look up to uh, growing up. But, uh, yeah, you, you don't want to create a monster for sure. And so, you know, when you think about that journey that you went on through sales, this ability, you mentioned how it, how it ties back to these core values of freedom for you. What were some of the skills that you learned that allowed you to do that? Because not all, not everyone does find freedom in sales. Not everyone does see success in sales. Not everybody, you know, figures out how to get their time back or how to get to those results. So what, what did you feel were some of the most critical skills that allowed you to get leverage out of sales? The thing that changed everything for me was when I decided to stop selling to my ideal avatar directly. And instead I decided to create partnerships with people that already had the relationship with my ideal avatar and already had their trust. Mm. And when I did that, I went from making hundreds of cold calls a day to making 30 regular calls to friends a day. And from me chasing deals to deals just coming to me. And for me having to convince people to buy or to sign to people just signing without me saying a word. And so this is the ultimate leverage is when you can 
find what I call MVPs, your most valuable partners. Don't mm. try to do everything on your own. Just find partnerships with people that already have your perfect customer and already have their trust. Because when you're referred into anything, they just sign, they just do it, they just buy. There's no questions asked, there's no resistance because that trust is like a human innate thing. And so once that changed and I realized this and I started leveraging this, my income 10X, the time I spent getting that income was reduced by 90% and it gave me a lot of freedom to really um, spend my life in, in the hours in it how I wanted. Mm. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, again, there's a super powerful insight in there that applies really globally, which is, you know, there's times where you're running up against resistance and there's nothing you can do about it. You gotta, you gotta endure it. You gotta go through it. But I think the number of times that we think that that resistance is required is a required step is far higher than it actually is there. You know, the, the, there's sort of almost a, a painful glory or sort of uh, accomplishment in knowing that you pushed through the pain. And that's a good, you need to have that trait. There's times where the only option is to push through the pain on something. But if you don't ever take time to zoom out, this is actually something that I, I did some training with some of our salespeople on just recently is if you're not spending time examining how are the hours I'm putting in leading to the results. If I'm spending five hours a week building these relationships and 10 hours a week doing this calling and you know 20 hours a week in demos or whatever, how, how does that pencil into the results? Because if you just once a week spend 30 minutes and say, okay, I'm looking at how I spent my time last week. I'm looking at what really drove the results. And man, I'm noticing that all this time here is leading to resistance and very little results. But this time here, say my MVPs, I put in a little time and it leads to great results, quick deal cycles, you know, fast closes, much less resistance. It's like if you spend that strategic time zooming out, then you can find those high leverage points and then push on them. You can say, instead of spending 10 extra hours over here, I'm going to put some of that time towards this and my results are going to, you know, amplify by the amount of leverage I have there. And so I think a lot of us in our roles we sometimes fail to just, again, zoom out and get the perspective, get to the strategic level, assess, is what I'm doing working? And is it is there a way I could re-optimize my time instead of just saying more? Because the temptation of even these guys I was working with, they're such hard workers. They're like, I just got to find a way to more time on this. And I'm like, was well, there anything you're doing that's not that you could cut out? You know, could we Could we go reallocate some time? Because Maybe you don't have to work 60 hours a week to get to that result. Maybe you can work 30 hours a week and get to twice the results or more. So I love this idea that, that you're, you're, you're laying out here of zooming out, looking at, at your efforts and finding where those high leverage points were, which for you was partnerships. So tell me more about that. Once you knew that that was such a high leverage point, how did you then kind of operationalize that? What did that do to your workflow? Did you start just focusing on those relationships? How'd you get those partners to trust you? You know, what type of incentive structures or things did you do to really double down on that and grow that? Because obviously you still got to get the partners on board. So what tactics did you start to focus on to make the most out of those partnerships? Well, the most important, this first decision is what you sell has to be lucrative. <laughs> it has to be simple. And this is if you want freedom, complete freedom, time, location, financial, mental. It needs to be an essential item. People have to have it. And it needs to be stupid simple. It can't have a bunch of bells and whistles. It can't require demos. It can't require um, explaining. It needs to be that dumb. 
that simple, right? And so once you get that part fixed of the actual, you know, what you're selling, then it's all about focus for not all day, four hours a day, targeting that one partner that can bring you all of your most ideal customers. And so that can look like, you know, DMing them, that can look like calling them, that can look like LinkedIn messaging them, that can look like emailing them, it's like going to their office. It depends on what you're selling, what you're doing it, and how, how your, your thing is structured. But for me, it was mostly just calls and mostly uh, trade shows. It was mostly LinkedIn. And I would just spend four hours a day solely doing that, trying to develop those relationships, just having normal conversations. They're not, there's nothing for me to sell because, again, my product is so stupid simple. I have no, there's nothing to sell. It's just me. Hey, do you trust me? Because in most trust is built over consistency and congruency. If you say, I'll call you tomorrow at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. or whenever it is, and I do that, they trust you a little bit more. And it's about this being congruent in what you do and what you say and how you show up over and over again. It takes time. Seven, they say seven, eight touches. I don't know, probably more than that. It doesn't matter. Whenever they decide to send you the deal is when they send you the deal. But the point is you stay but in front you of You do the work. You're direct, but you're friendly. You know, you're confrontational, but you're joyful. You know, there's ways to have this yin and yang in the sales where you don't want to be a pushover. Nobody wants a pushover, but nobody wants an asshole either. So it's, I always think about it as you want to be confrontational to get to the truth. I'm here for the truth. That's it. But I also want to be playful while I'm trying to be confrontational. Like, let's just have some fun here, right? But don't, don't BS me. Like, come on, we're both in sales. Let's talk about this. Try to level with people. So I think that's just a core philosophy I have when it comes to sales. I don't believe in quote unquote tactics. I just believe in like, just be yourself, show up, don't waste people's time, have something valuable to offer and have the mentality that if they don't work with you, that's their loss because you believe that you're the best one to deliver this service to them. And if they want to go somewhere else, so be it, their loss. And when you have that mentality where you don't really give a shit, people just come to you because they can feel that energy. Like, oh, he's not desperate like most people. And this works in all relationships. You know, desperate people just can't sell anything because they're, they need it. If you don't need anything, then people are at your feet. So um, it's kind of, it's not something I've ever quote unquote practiced. I think it just comes from confidence and confidence is built by you doing the things you said you're going to do today. If I said, I'm going to do these five things and I did them today, regardless if I made any money from it, I built confidence because I became congruent with my future self and my present self became one. And that builds confidence and people start to become attracted to people that are confident and doesn't mean you're necessarily like doing anything grand. Like literally you could go to the gym for 10 minutes just because you said you did all of a sudden you get more confident and it's just that domino and snowball effect and think about it in 10 year horizons, not, you know, Oh, I didn't, I didn't lose the 30 pounds in 30 days. Well, that's stupid because you're, you're again, you didn't zoom out far enough. So just kind of simple things like that. I love to hear it. And I think that touches on something that, uh, that I know you, you think and talk about, which is this idea of, you know, are you playing to lose? Are you playing to win? Are you playing to play the game? Right. I, I think I, I was reading something from you that where you took through kind of that journey. Uh, tell me more about that framework. And, you know, I think it dovetails nicely with what we just said, this idea that, you know, if you're playing to lose, 
uh, you're going to lose <laughs> or playing not to lose. I should say you're probably losing. If you're playing to win, you may be missing part of the point. And if you're playing to play the game, you might find real fulfillment. Tell me, tell me about how you came up with that. And, and what does that mean to you? Yeah. I mean, at the beginning I was playing to win actually at the very beginning, I was playing defense and it wasn't until I fell in love with sports that I realized, Oh, championships are one playing offense. <laughs> and being extremely aggressive. And so that's when I got into sales and just went as hard as I possibly could. And that's when, at that moment in my life, I was playing to win. And it transferred into this idea of winning is just an outward thing. You know, it's a result. But at the end of the day, I can't control the result. You know, I can control the inputs. I can control the process. I can control my daily habits, but I really can't control the results. And so now I've switched to this mode of thinking of I'm just here to play to play. And like, it's like this Drake song. I think he talks about, I was just playing a game. I didn't know I was winning. It's kind of like one of those things. Like if you're just here playing the game to the best of your ability, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on as far as the, the result, because you're having fun and you're playing to the best of your ability. That's all you can do. And fretting about the result when you're doing your best is like shooting yourself in the head. It doesn't make any sense. And so when I reframe everything I do as play, as joy, as a learning process, as I'm just trying to see how this works and then iterate from there, it just takes the pressure. And pressure is like one of those interesting things because all pressure is self-induced. Even if someone outside of you says, you better hit your quota this month, it's self-induced because I believed what they said. I took it to heart and said, oh, no, they might fire me. F you. I'm going to decide who and what and where and how I execute. So you're always in the driver's seat to reframe what anybody says about you, including what you say about yourself. Just step back and realize nothing is about you because everybody that's trying to put their garbage on you is just that. That's their garbage. And anything you say about yourself is just your crazy mind doing its crazy nonsense. That is not who you are. Those are just thoughts. They came from nowhere. They're just random. Ignore them. Just do the thing you said you're going to do. When you wrote down on the piece of paper for this week, you're going to make 200 calls. Just do that. Because when you wrote that down, that was your best self. Not the one that says, this isn't going to work. This may not work. I don't know if this will work. That's the weak loser. Ignore them. That's everyone else's fears. Ignore them. Do you. And so that's when I think about, you know, playing the play. Just play the game plan that you put into place and play to play. Have fun. Play the game. Yeah, I think that's that's a really good insight for people because there's a lot of disappointment in, in the short term. It, on any journey that is going to be worthwhile, any goal you set, if it's ambitious enough to be meaningful – you're going to hit disappointment along the way. There's going to be frustration along the way. There's going to be not feeling, feeling not good enough, feeling, you know, any of those negative emotions, those voices you talked about, they're going to be there on the journey. And so if you just stop there and put a lot of confidence or, or merit in those voices and just listen to them, never going to get to any of those long-term goals. And so I think that's a great antidote for dealing with those is this idea of 
if I can instead take pride in the efforts, take pride in the process, take pride in what my inputs are, I can still have confidence in the long-term outcomes, even when there's variance in the short-term outcomes, even when there's setbacks, even when there's frustration or I feel discouraged or there's a negative voice in my head. I'm going to know that, yeah, that would be true if I stopped here. If, if I stopped now, I would be a failure. If I stopped now, I, would, I wouldn't be good enough. But if I just keep going with this process, either I'm going to learn that I need to change the process, I'm going to tweak it, and then I'm going to get to where I need to go. Or I'm going to see success because the process yields results over a long time. And in, a, in an age where everything's so immediate and, and rapid and, you know, just such a short-term satisfaction sort of economy that we live in, everything's an immediate hit, hit of dopamine or some feedback loop that tells you, like, gets you addicted and makes you feel good. Farmers back in the day understood this crap. They didn't, they didn't stop watering their, their crops because they didn't see it grow the second day. You know, people, when we had to live much more in tune with nature, everything functions this way. You have to take pride in the process. But as we've gotten more and more disconnected, more and more digital, more and more, you know, fast, uh, fast response and, and stimulating, we've kind of tricked ourselves into thinking that that's reality and it's not. <laughs> Anything meaningful and worthwhile you're going to have to learn to love to play. And so uh, I love that mindset. And I think people listening to the podcast need to assess, where am I at on that journey? Am I still playing to not lose, playing defense, just trying to take whatever things I have so far and just protect them and have that scarcity mindset? Have I graduated into maybe an abundance mindset where I do believe I can win and now I'm playing to win? And if I, if so, what what needs to be true to then get to that next one, which is sort of this finding purpose and fulfillment in the journey, how do I take that last step? And I'm still working on that myself. For everything I've accomplished, I'm constantly asking myself, what do I need to do to find more purpose, find more fulfillment, and, and be in love with the journey? Because it's so easy to get sucked back into the playing to win mindset. And uh, and so that's that's a constant sort of effort, at least for me, to be constantly reevaluating and reinvesting in that journey. So when, when you think about uh, you know being on that journey and getting to the point where you then got out of sales. You started uh, a couple different companies. What was that shift like? What had to finally sort of click and be true? Did that correlate to when you started realizing you wanted to, to be in love with the journey? Did that happen after you started companies? What kind of had to be true to say, you know what, instead of just working in sales, there's a bunch of leverage. I've learned out how to, how to wield leverage and get a lot of freedom out of sales. But now I want to go beyond that and uh, start, uh, you know, creators learn. What had to be true for you to, to make that happen? Well, number one, for me to truly have freedom, I have to own my time. And anytime you're an employee, you don't own your time and you don't own the results because if you're on commission, you're splitting those with somebody else. If you're on salary, you're on a finite game. You're playing a finite game. And if you really want to play an infinite game, you have to be an entrepreneur. And so I knew that was the ultimate destination. But it's one of those caves that you don't necessarily want to go down, especially when you have, I wouldn't say an easy position, but you've built such a reputation and such a, a lifestyle of ease, of comfort. There's no reason to quit. There's no reason to resign. Why would I leave this? I work four hours a day. I make hundreds of thousands of dollars. I have all the autonomy I want. Why would I leave that? It's one thing if you get fired and become an entrepreneur. It's another thing if you decide to get healthy after you have the cancer diagnosis. It's one thing to be proactively pushing yourself into dark caves. But I knew the freedom on the other side of that is really what I wanted. And I knew when I started my first business 
that I could take everything I've learned in my sales career and use that as leverage and to expedite the journey, right? And when I started um, Creators Learn, I realized that I have all these skills, philosophies, frameworks that I could transfer to other entrepreneurs so they don't have to go through all the nonsense. So they pick the right thing to sell. They do it the right way. They find MVPs. And it just makes your life so much more easy. And you're actually having fun through the process. And so for me, like that whole journey from, you know, corporate sales to entrepreneur to teacher of other entrepreneurs is just the ultimate progression of going to dark caves, seeing the light, going back into a dark cave, seeing the light, going back into a dark cave, seeing the light. Because at the end of the day, until the day I die, I'm always going to try to find dark caves because that's where the juice is. That's where the fruit is. Like if you're just comfortable, there's nothing there for you. Trust me, you get bored. Like, you know, money can only buy you so much. Time can only buy you so much. There's only so much you can do. But like, once you go through that journey, you have something when you come out of that cave to give to somebody else that hasn't went into the cave yet. And like, that's how I learned stuff. That's how I understood how, you know, business and sales and uh, entrepreneurship works is from other people, either through YouTube or through people that I actually talk to or books or whatever. So it's like each one teach one. And, um, that's really the kind of the entire cycle of, to me, of life is challenging this comfort, comfort. If you look at nature in general, like we were talking about, nature's always confronting comfort. Nothing grows without pain, struggle, strife. And if you can reassess and reframe pain into actual pleasure, I think uh, Andrew Huberman talks about it in his Huberman Lab podcast about you know, the actual dopamine is in the pain. Actually find the, the pleasure in the struggle, in the hard work, in the lifting of the weights, in the, the soreness, in the nose, in the, am I ever going to get through this? If you actually can find the pain, then you start to play to play for the love of the game, because that's all it is. And if you can learn how to gamify your entire life, life becomes fun and the results follow. That's one of the things there's a, a Netflix documentary called Stutz that uh, is really good. And I've, I've read his book as well. He's a, he's a psychologist and he has these cool tools and frameworks for how you think about things. But he, he talks about these three inescapable truths of life. He's like, most of the suffering you go through is when you start trying to fight against the three inescapable truths of life. And one of them is pain and suffering, like trying to get away from resist, not experience pain is, is one of those inescapable truths. And then there's the need for constant work. And oh, I'm blanking on the third one off the top of my head right now, but there's these things that if you push back against, you're only going to be hurting yourself because <laughs> it's just an inescapable truth of life. Whereas if you learn to embrace it and go, pain is inescapable. I'm going to experience pain. It's a matter of what do I do with it? Can I enjoy it? Can I grow from it? Can I overcome it? Can I learn? then you can reframe it and it, become, it can become a positive. If you just push back and go, why me? Why is this happening to me? I didn't want this. I, I got to do things. I got to build so that I never have to deal with this again. I never want to have to confront this again. You just make yourself weaker and you just, and you just get more and more negative emotions and negative experiences out of something that could have been done and over a long time ago. And, um, and that's such an interesting paradox, you know, in nature, like you pointed out in humans, in our lives that, it's a really low leverage mindset. It's a low 
quality belief that that, you, that we all have to fight and we all have to to examine in our own brains. Where am I just trying to escape the pain? Or am I just trying to get back to comfort? Or am I trying to just fight back and say, no, I don't want to experience that because that's going to drive you crazy. And you're never going to succeed. You're never going to succeed. You're never going to get to the point where you have no pain. It's like these kids that are raised, these trust fund babies that end up super miserable and drug addicted. They had none of the pain of not having money. They had none of the pain of not having opportunities. They had none of the pain of, you know, that, that people would normally say is like, oh, they've got the dream life. They've got all the money in the world. They can go anywhere. They don't have to spend their time working. They don't have to worry about their future. Everything's great. And yet they end up miserable so consistently because escaping pain is not the answer. And so they find pain in that situation. Whatever pain you're going through, someone else that doesn't experience that, there's someone in the world that doesn't experience the pain you're experiencing who because of that is suffering from a different pain because they didn't have to overcome that they're suffering from some other form of pain it could be drug addiction it could be you know pains of 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 pleasure untapped pleasure things like that and and uh and rampant sort of um self-destructive behaviors or it could just be that they took a different path and so they experienced other forms of pain but it's like people like to look ahead of them someone that they think has accomplished something that they want to do and they go oh see they don't have my problems but they never take into account all the other problems that person has they got new problems. And so it's like, yeah, sure, they don't have your problems because they make more money than you. But instead, they got the problem of this and this and this. I used the example with a friend of mine. I was explaining this to that. I was like, look, when, there's a whole bunch of decisions that when you have no money, you don't have to make. Appreciate you, Jermaine, for coming on, for sharing it, for sharing everything that, that you have through the, the call. It's been really enjoyable uh, getting to know more about your story, learning more about Creators Learn. What Final plugs would you have if someone wants to get involved with Creators Learn, or is there any other content or, or information that, that you want to share with the audience if they want to learn more from you or interact with you? Yeah, creatorslearn.com is going to be the best place to you know, find me. I have some awesome freebies there that people can really start to get crystal clear on like what they want to build, why they want to build it, and um, this insights on you know figuring out like what should I build as far as a business, and who should I sell it to, and then how should I sell it? No, and once you get those three things down, all the freedoms we talked about earlier can come to you as long as you execute with that four-hour-a-day framework. Um, so, yeah, Creators Learn is probably the best place to go. Um, you can find me on all the, the normal social media sites. And, you know, what I'll, what I'll leave you guys with is, you know, I've, I've tried everything. <laughs> you know, I've done all the, the hacks and, and tried everything and, you know, done all the meditation and the red light therapy and all the stuff, right? And as I come full circle from all that, it, it really is trying to an, alleviate or avoid the inevitable pain we're talking about. And so the sooner you can just get into the pain, the better you're off. There's no reason to meditate. You don't have to do all this stuff. If you want to, after you did the hard stuff, then you can meditate. Sure, you earn the right. But until you do the hard stuff, there's no reason doing any of that stuff because it actually accentuates the anxiety because you're intentionally postponing the heavy lifting. It's mm -hmm. interesting about anxiety and fear is it gets worse as you think about it versus just doing it, it goes away immediately. So the sooner you can eat the frog and just do the thing. So I've been literally doing a new thing where when I wake up, I usually wake up around five, I get to work immediately within a minute, literally. Now the key to that is you have to know what you're gonna be doing as soon as you wake up because you're still super groggy. But I noticed I get into a groove so much faster because there isn't, my brain doesn't have the chance 
to have the resistance because it's literally like I'm just barely waking up and I'm just trying to find my way through the darkness. But there is no resistance there because I just woke up. And so half an hour in, I'm starting to wake up and I'm starting to get flow. And I'm and an hour goes by, two hours, three hours, and I've done the bulk of the heavy lifting. And I'm only on you know my first cup of coffee, and I'm like, damn, it's not even eight o'clock. And I'm like doing all the heavy stuff that usually I would wait until 9:15 after I did the the exercise and the meditation and the Wim Hof breathing and had my oatmeal and all the bullshit. The the quicker you can just confront the pain because it's just in your mind, it's not real the quicker it goes away. So um, give it a shot. That's a great insight. And I would, I would completely agree with you. There's really nothing on, on those other things that you can do if you're not doing the action. And anytime, even good things, even things that could be helpful will be a hindrance if your priority is wrong and you're not leading with the actual execution. You got to go execute on the hard stuff. So that is fantastic advice to close on uh, from our friend Jermaine. Go out, stop listening to this podcast, and execute on some hard shit, and, uh, and then think about it later <laughs> and learn from it. <laughs> all right, Jermaine, appreciate you being here uh, and uh, appreciate all your insights, my friend. Hey, before you go, I have a small request. Our mission is to empower as many people as possible to maximize their potential through the power of leverage. Could you help us in this mission by leaving a review on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube? And if you know just one person who would benefit from today's episode, would you please share it with them? Your support means the world to us, and we are thrilled to have you in the community. Thank you for being a part of our journey and helping us grow. You can find show notes for today's show and past shows at LessonsInLeverage.com, which also has links to connect with me personally and connect with our various podcast channels across your favorite social networks. A big thanks to Solve.Cloud who sponsored this episode. They're a group of expert consultants that help SaaS and financial services companies to implement, optimize, and manage Salesforce.com. They can help you with custom integration solutions and are helping customers to implement some of the most important generative AI technologies. You can find them at Solved.cloud. That's S-O-L-V-D dot cloud is the URL. Thanks again, and we'll talk soon.